today we are moving into this whole series on prayer and intercession, which brings me to the sweet Christian woman who was in panic as she was driving through the, air, uh, the airport parking garage trying to find par a parking spot, knowing that she was already running so late that she potentially is going to miss her flight. And so in the midst of that panic, she looks up to heaven and she says, Oh God, oh God, if you can just have mercy on me today. Oh God, I promise you, if you can help me find a parking spot, if you can open up a parking spot right now, Lord God, I promise you I will go to Hill City every Sunday. I will stop drinking all that wine that I'm drinking on the weekends. God, I commit myself to you completely. If you could just do me this one miracle and all of a sudden right in front of her, a car puts on the reverse light, pulled out of the parking spot right up front. She pulls in and she looked up to heaven and said, never mind, Lord, I found one on my own. I don't need you. <clears throat> I wonder how much our prayer lives sound and look a little bit like that. If you weren't here last week, let me review for a second. We started into our key verse for this entire series. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people, everybody say my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And I just, I just urged us that we need a healing of the land like we've never needed a healing of the land. We, needed a we need a transformation of the church of America, of our families. We need a supernatural move of God. We're not going to fix it just by voting the right people in because, you know, everybody got wickedness in them. And we're not going to just fix it by trans changing, you know, school districts. We need God to heal our land. Are you with me? Say yes. And he said real clearly, if you'll humble yourself. And, and what I did was I taught you the two positions that caused us, according to this passage, the two positions that allow us to be able to receive the healing of the land, of hearing from heaven and healing our land. And I told you first, the first position, because when you're at a position, you can't catch the ball. You can't, you can't catch it. You're in the wrong position, and you can't get to it. Or it, it, We've watched you know, different football games over the last few weekends into the playoffs, and if a man or, 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 or a competitor is out of position, then the enemy is able to score on them because they weren't in the right spot. Or if you are trying to score and you don't run the right route and you're out of position, you can't catch the ball. God wants us in right position so that he can do the supernatural works in the earth. And those two positions are, number one, humility. When you and I go, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I, 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 even by praying, I am humbling myself saying, Lord, you and you alone can fix this. And then the second position that I taught you last week was authority. My people if my people. See, authority does not come because you and I outpray everybody else, because we outholy everybody else. Our authority comes because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I walk in His authority, not in my own authority, not by my own merit, not by my own strength, but because of Him and what He did on the cross, and because I'm His son, because He looks up and says, you can't have Him, Satan. He's mine. Get off of Him. And I can stand there boldly and declare the works of the Lord in the earth, and declare His favor and power flowing through the earth, because I'm His. Are you with me? Say yes. So at those two positions, and when you get out of position and you don't know who you are in Christ, then you can't walk in the authority, so you're out of position. Or if you're so caught up in your own life that you don't walk in humility before the Lord and you've got arrogance in your life, then as a result of it, you're, in, you're out of position, so God can't move through you the way he wants to move in this earth. Are you tracking? Say yes. And so today, we want to transition. Um, today, I'm going to move you into, and I've subtitled this, uh, Thy Will Be Done. Everybody say, Thy Will Be Done. And the purpose of today's teaching is that I want to teach you to move in the power of aligning yourself with his will. 
And the power that happens when you and I align ourselves with his will, when we come into alignment. And the other thing that I want to happen in today's teaching is that you would become awakened to the truth that there are multiple, if you will, types of communication between you and your God. To give you a little bit of a freedom from this whole concept that prayer looks like, you know, me on my face, in my back bedroom, or in my closet for three hours, and that's, that's what this engagement looks like. I want to liberate you from some old mindsets and maybe even some misconceptions of how you can engage with your God. So is that good? Say yes. Let's go straight into it. First John, open your Bibles. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This will be kind of our our, our, our jumping off spot will kind of this is we'll kind of be breaking this concept down out of this passage for the next you know six hours or so however long it takes me to preach it okay all my online guys just switched over to Stephen Furtick all right first John chapter 5 verse 14 this is the confidence that we have in approaching God everybody say confidence. confidence this is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will then he hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we ask of him. So the word is really clear that we can ask for anything and it'll happen if it's in accordance to his will. And I think this is where we miss it. You say, well, I've asked God for stuff and it didn't happen. Well, I wonder if it was in accordance to his will. I, I wonder if we were trying to get our will be done instead of his will be done. I wonder how many times I have been frustrated at God when he's frustrated at me. I wonder how much I've even lost confidence in even asking. This confidence we have, it opens up. That if we ask anything in accordance to his will, it will be done. And I wonder how many times you and I have just stopped praying because we're like, well, I prayed for that and nothing ever happened. And I wonder if maybe it's because we've gotten out of alignment with his will. And I'm hoping that today that you and I can make that pivot, make that switch, and come into alignment with this will. But to even be under, uh, to do that, it's like, so how do I know his will? And Dr. Tony Evans has a great understanding and teaching on his will. In fact, Dr. Tony Evans, in reference to God's will, has broken into two places, two pieces. He says God's will is made up of two pieces, his unconditional will and his conditional will. And Dr. Evans, he identifies it like this. His unconditional will is when God determines what is going to happen irrespective of what anyone else does. God, he's determined it. It's going to happen. Don't need your help in it. Don't want your help. Don't care if you like it or don't like it. I am going to do this. It's going to happen. For example, the word's real clear that there will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether you like it or not, it's his will. It's going to be done. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your opinion. He doesn't need your agreement. Whereas with his conditional will, Dr. Evans says it like this. He says his conditional will, on the other hand, is things that God has decided that he will or will not let happen until he gets human cooperation. Until you and I come into agreement, it can't, he wants this to happen. He desires this to happen. But it cannot happen until he gets our cooperation. For example, the word's very clear that he would, that none should perish, but all have eternal life. That all men shall be saved. Yet men only get saved when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has a will that is tied to a condition. It's tied to a condition. I have a will. I want it done, but it's tied to a condition. If my people 
will humble themselves and pray. Then I will heal from he hear from heaven and heal their land. If, then I can do this. I have a will. I want it done. But I need you to come into alignment with me to accomplish my work on the earth. I want to take heaven and bring it to earth. But I can't take heaven and bring it to earth if you don't come into compliance with me. If you don't come into conditioning your will to my will. If you don't come alongside with me, then I can't move through it. And I will not move through that because most everything in mind in your life is tied to cooperation with God's will. And this is what prayer does. See, prayer is the engagement by which God brings his conditional will into history. In fact, I love it how the great uh, evangelist John Wesley said it. He said, God does nothing on earth save in response to believing prayer. Save in response to believing prayer. Now, here's the problem for most of us. This is how most of us treat prayer. I know I have for many years treated it like this. Uh, I, I, well, let me just back up. I, I am happy to have a smart TV. And, and I was really happy when we, when we first have, started having these smart TVs because I could go from, you know, because I wasn't paying for all that expensive cable stuff. I just had the rabbit ears. Are you tracking with me? I just had whatever was out there floating. On. And, and, but it always ticked me off because one of the things I hate about TV is I hate commercials. Hate them. They're the devil. Can't stand them. And the reason why I hate commercials is because I'm there to watch a show. I'm in the middle of tracking with it. And all of a sudden, and we'll be right back. And it goes to commercials. And now they're trying to sell me some kind of preparation H or something I don't even need. Some kind of old people medicine. I ain't taking that. I don't want that. Why are you wasting your time? You're trying to get me to buy something that's already going to make me fatter than I already am. I'm not doing it. And it interrupts, are you tracking with the storyline that I'm engaged with? It is a distraction from the commitment that I made to be a part of this programming. And so then when we went to apps on our TV where we're watching them through Netflix or some our, our shows like that, then all of a sudden when you first, if how many remember, when you first started using those apps, there were no commercials. But they've now figured out how to put commercials in the middle of all these shows. So now I'm angry about it all over again. Why? Because these commercials take literally of a one-hour show, they take about, I think it's 15 or 16 minutes of the show and distract you away from the storyline. And I believe that many of us treat prayer like that. We're praying in the commercial spots. We think that our life, oh, I got to pray. Okay, so it's a diversion from my life. No, no, no. My life is prayer. My life is supposed to be prayer. It is not the commercial break. Oh, I go pray to do my little due diligence to God so that I can just have a little engagement with God so I can feel good about myself. And that's how I approach prayer for the longest time in my Christian walk. I did my life and then went, oh, break, I need to pray. Oh, it's not working. Pause my life. I need to pray. It's not a part of my life. It's not the storyline of my life. It's just something I do whenever I need to get some help for when I need to pay for the programming because that's what commercials are. I go pay for the programming. And so we're going to pause and you're going to force you to do this if you want to have good programming. And that's the approach I took many years in my prayer life until I got the revelation that my life is my life is surrendered to his will, and he is the storyline. And then what is prayer? What is it? What is it? And how do, I, how do I get in alignment with this will? And here's the problem, I think. If we're going to come into alignment with his will, we need to understand this is very powerful. Because Jesus, in teaching his disciples to pray, we re referenced this passage in Matthew chapter 6 uh, last week in, chapter, in verse 9. When he's teaching his disciples how to pray, our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus, in teaching his disciples how to engage with God, taught them in the first couple stanzas of how to, first off, you need to have the authority to understand that you are his son. My father, my daddy, who art in heaven, highly, you are worthy of praise, glory, and adoration. Forget all the worth, wickedness of this earth. I'm just going to take my eyes off of all the craziness and put my eyes on how great you are. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I come into alignment. Lord, what you want, your kingdom and my will come into, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? Hey, I want some water. Water show up. On earth, it's like, hey, I want some water. Well, I don't know if that's really God in my life, if he really wants me to give him some water or not. Because he gave us free will. Because he gave us free will, we can choose or not choose to serve him, to follow him, to agree with him, to not agree with him. He gave us free will. And so that's why we have to bring our will into alignment with his will. And many times, especially in ministering over the years, I find so many people are always asking me, so how do I know God's will? I don't know. How do I know God's will? Let me give you two little thoughts. How do I know God's will? First and foremost, I can figure out God's will because he reveals himself in the person of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is all I have to do is do what Jesus did. All I have to say is what Jesus said. All I have to do is live the way Jesus lived. I love the fact that Jesus did not fight back whenever they were killing him. He shows me what that looks like when someone is misappropriating me. In fact, Jesus even said, <clears throat> when your enemies come against you, pray for them. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Now, that's not my will. My, what my will would be is to make them pay the way they're making me pay, but one-up them so they'll never try it again. But his will as I see Jesus live it out, because God lived it out on the earth in front of us, the way Jesus did it, the way Jesus didn't care. Jesus did not care if he had big houses or homes. Come on, somebody. He said, but I have to do the will of the Father. He always had his needs met. At any moment, he could have made, made gold pop out of the ground into their hands. In fact, when they needed to pay some taxes, he said, hey, uh, we got to pay those taxes. Go catch a fish, and you'll find the coins in the fish's mouth. He never let finances and the care of those things take over the precedence of purpose and calling on the earth. And so I've watched Christians do that. They've gotten out of God's will because they didn't know what God's will was, and they just followed what everyone else on the earth said to do. Here's the second way I can know what is God's will, and that is simply by reading his holy scriptures. The word of God reveals to me God's will. As I read the Bible, this is why we're so dysfunctional in the church, because we stop reading the word of God. He reveals himself through our Bible. He reveals it. As you begin to read the word, all of a sudden you start going, okay, that's his will. Okay, that's what he wants in my life. Okay, that makes sense to me. I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I have been in situations even recently where I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do. And as I just read through the word, it wasn't even that I had like, you know, um, this amazing Bible plan reading. And somehow what I was reading that day, just reading the Bible, all of a sudden comes alive to me and I know exactly what to do in that business situation and that, and that hurtful situation that's going on in a church member or something like that. All of a sudden I get revelation of what his will is just by reading his holy scriptures. And that's the reason why, because we don't read the Word of God properly, we don't engage with Him like that, we don't know His will. And here's what happens. When, when you and I are struggling to discern His will, it's usually because of a couple of things. Here's some reasons for not being able to discern God's will. Number one is pride. Pride. I don't know His will for my life. Pride. And the reason, what is pride? I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what I want to do. 
pride. I want to do, I don't care what he has to say. I want to do, I have a plan. I have a purpose. And so that's when I've gotten myself in the most trouble is because I was doing what I wanted to do instead of even pause and say, Lord, is this what you want? Is this what you're after? Is this what you're trying to accomplish? I want to do what you want to do, not what I want to do. Here's the second reason why we struggle to discern God's will, and that is because of fear. This was my biggest problem as a single young man. I knew I was called to be a minister, but I graduated high school and went straight to college to be an engineer. And the reason why I wanted to be an engineer is because I didn't want to be poor. I wanted to make a lot of money. In fact, I was thinking into like, you know, nanotechnology, these kind of things. I was going to get into that field and just make millions and millions and millions of dollars because I'd grown up with not a whole lot. I mean, single mom, we just made it through. And then she married Pop and Pop had you know, got rid of all his money through crazy living. I'm just messing with you, Pop. And, uh, <clears throat> and so here we were just trying to make it through. So I thought, I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be wealthy. And I'll never forget when I was working a job right there as college was starting. And a man looked me in the eye and said, hey, do you love Jesus? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, what is, what's God's will for you? What's God's plan? I said, well, since I was young, they've been prophesying over me that I would be a great minister. And he goes, oh, what are you, what are you doing then? I said, well, I'm going to college right now. He said, why are you going to college? What are you going to college for? I said, well, I'm going to college to be an engineer. He goes, well, I thought you said God told you that you're called to be a minister. I said, I, I, maybe, but I said, yeah, I think so. I said, but, but I need to have something to fall back on in case ministry doesn't work. And that gentleman power drove me in the spirit to the ground. And he picked me up. I'll never forget. He picked me up, pinned me up against the sheetrock and said, you better learn to fall back on God right now. It was a matter of my will versus his will. And here was my fear. If I said yes completely to Jesus, he was going to make me go down in the Amazon and have to eat bugs all day long. Come on, somebody. And I was scared that if I said, right, if I said yes, this is what he's going to do. And I was like, (laughs) pride and fear. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. I would imagine the reason why many of you and I miss his will, pride and fear. And then there's a third option on why many times we can't discern his will, and that is because outside pressure, outside pressure what everybody expects of us. Some of you went to college in a certain way because that's what your mom and daddy expected of you. You don't even feel called to the thing you're doing. You hate what you're doing. You don't even enjoy it one bit, but because outside pressure caused you to say, well, that's what I got to do. So you're not able to discern God's will because you're feeling the pressure of the family. You're you're the first one to graduate from college or you're the first one to make that kind of money. And they put that pressure on you to help them get out of the, you know, to break the family cycle, that kind of thing. And so you've not even been able to hear God's will for your life simply because of the outside pressure or because of how you grew up or because of the people you run with and they have an expectation that, and you feel this pressure. And as a result, you can't even discern God's will. But I want you to understand something. If there is not a willingness to do God's will, then discerning God's will will never be attainable. If you don't have a willingness. So all I do every morning is wake up. Now, I've gotten to this place in my walk with Christ. Where I just walk, wake up and go, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? I may not get it right today, but I'm least willing I'm willing to ask and seek and try to figure out your will because if I can align with your will, then nothing that I ask will not be given to me. Anything I ask will happen because my will is aligned with your will and what you're trying to accomplish in the earth, I get to be a part of it. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Come on, are you tracking with me? Say yes. So what is prayer? Prayer is real simple. It's communication with God. It's that simple. It's communication with God. You're God, the God who created you. God who fashioned you in your mother's womb. As the Bible says, a God who has the hairs on your head numbered. That you're not an accident. You're, you're, you are ordained to be alive at such a time as this. 
that God wants to engage with you. He don't, he don't want to have some person in between you and him. Aren't you grateful? Say yes. Aren't you grateful we didn't go, grow up under the old covenant where we had someone else had to go talk to God and then come tell us what he had to say. He said, I've ripped all that veil open. There's no longer any kind of barrier between you and me. Come on, girlfriend. Come on, boyfriend. Come be my, come be my son. Come be my daughter. I want to know. Come sit up in daddy's lap. Let's talk. Let's see this thing through. Let's, let's do this. Let's change the world. I need you in the earth, and you need me to guide you in all the plans that I have for you. But that is what prayer looks like. It's that engagement. Communicating with God. See, prayer is not a mystical engagement with an unknown force out there. Prayer is not a Christmas checklist that you get your sugar daddy to go fulfill for you. Prayer is not a list of work orders for your cosmic employees to get done. And prayer is not a granted three wishes a day from your genie in a bottle. Prayer is communication with the one who loves you and created you, and desires a deep, real relationship with you. So if that's the case, what can that communication look like? The scriptures are real clear in the New Testament that we, the church, are compared to a bride. And Jesus, our God, our Savior, is compared to the groom. He compares this multiple times between a bride and a groom. So as I try to make the connection on the way you can communicate with your God. I want to connect it to even those of us that are married, to a, maybe a best friend relationship or a marriage relationship. My wife and I have been married now 28 years. But better than that, Mimi and Pop are celebrating 41 years this Monday. Come on, somebody. Huge. My God, they've been alive longer. Than, I mean, they've been married longer than I've been alive. That's right. Smith Wigglesworth the great revivalist said it like this. He said, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. I want to shift your mentality right now. Some of you have grown up thinking or have somehow this concept that prayer looks like two hours before the Lord. Oh, God. Our checklist, I pray for this, I pray for this, I pray for this, I pray for that. What if... Communication with God has more engagement points than what you've ever thought before. So let me give you some that I believe are accurate in Scripture and will literally liberate you from the concept of I've got to have a two-hour prayer meeting with God every morning when I wake up. When I, when I was coming up in ministry, that was the concept. Could you not pray for one hour every morning? No, I could not. I could not. 30 minutes into it, I'm like... I'm done. What else you want to talk about? I'm going, come on, come on, ladies. You know your husband can't have an in-depth conversation with you for more than about 15 minutes. He can't do it. You're like, oh, all right, I'll, all right, I can't. You, you gave me 45 things to go do. Let me go do them. And, um, and I think that that's the approach that has gotten broken to where we like, I don't really enjoy engaging with God in communication. And I think it's because we think communication looks like one venue. And so let me set you free a little bit. Here's the first, if you will, type of communication that I would teach, and that is, number one, serious. Serious. You know what serious communication is. It's that uh, I'm going through something, it's major, and I need some help. I think you should have those kind of engagements with your God. God, right now, I'm about to murder this 16-year-old, this so here's, we need to talk. 
major. I, I just lost my job. They're talking about, and I, the, uh, about firing me. I, I think you need to have these serious moments of communication. We see that, you know, Jesus did in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood flow, falling to the ground. Jesus, in that moment, there in the garden, right before he's going to be crucified, right before they come to get him, his, the Bible says he was full of anguish. It was intense, serious prayer. Oh, Father, if there's any way we can, get, we can change this thing up. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Not my will on earth, but your will on earth, Father. Jesus come into a compliance. And he said, like, if this is serious, this is serious, but nevertheless, not my will. So I think you should have serious communication with God. I think you should have these moments where you're like, hey, hey, we need to talk. We need to talk. I know Jamie and I have that all the time. We have this, hey, we need to talk about this. Like, that's not cool. Like, that's not working. This is major. And you have to have it. But here's the problem. If that's the only time and the only way you engage with God, how broken is that relationship? Can you imagine if the only time I engage with my beautiful wife is serious? Hey, hey, we need to talk right now. This is serious. Oh, and it's, it trips me out how Christians, that's the only way you engage with God. It's, oh, God, it's serious. It's again. And so you're the drama queen to God. You're that kid. The only time you talk to him is when, when, the, when everything's burning down. And, you, and so you create more drama with your relationship with him than really you need to because the only way you know how to engage with him is serious, which is crazy. Here's another thought of a type of communication that is private. Everybody say private. And private communication, you know what that is. That's when you want to express the truly deep things without anyone knowing. Private, deep, private. I have deep private communication with God. There are times that me and God are in, in, in engagement. It's sometimes it's in my car. No one's around. I don't want anybody to hear us back in, in my back office on my face with the music blaring real loud so no one can hear what I'm about to say. God, there's some things in my heart no one can hear. There's some things about me that ain't right. There's some things about us, I don't know what to do. It's deep, it's private, nobody can know about this. And see, I don't think that some of you even, especially some of you men, you don't even know how to do that. Like you've never seen that model, you've never even been given permission that you can have deep private communication with your God. And so when you don't have that outlet, you go looking for it somewhere else. And then humans can never supply what only God can give. And you're trying to find that in a spouse or in a best friend. And that's why you say, well, my wife and I can't even communicate like that. And that's how, how affairs happen. Because, well, I found someone else who understands the deep private things of my heart. That's supposed to be for Jesus. Those things can come. I have these moments with God that are deep and private. And I don't want anyone to know. Just like I have deep private communication with my wife. Private. Deep. I mean, where I'm just, I, listen, when I get before God in these kind of moments, I am I'm literally, Lord, here I am. There's nothing hidden. I, I, I call it, I, I tell guys, I get spiritually naked. I'm like, like, there's nothing that, that, I don't want anybody else to see this. This is private and deep. And my wife and I have that. That's why we have three kids. So let's move on to the next one. Matthew <laughs> chapter 6. And look what he says about this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you go... 
excuse me, but when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Guys, that will mess your theology up if, this is, if you don't understand this perspective of what Jesus is coming from. He's not saying this is the only type of prayer you should have. He's combating this public display of falsehood that the ministers of his time were doing. Oh, God! As they walk through the mall. Seriously, as they're in the grocery store, they're at Walmart on the produce aisle. Oh, God, I thank you that I'm better than everyone else. That I know you, and I know you, and I know you, and I know you. I quote Psalms 27 right now. And everybody's like, oh, oh my God, I'm not worthy. My life sucks. And he said, don't do that. He said, instead, go into private engagement. God sees the heart. You talk to him in that secret place. That's not the only, because then the rest of the scriptures wouldn't make any sense. Because we see people praying and he's qualifying these other types of prayer. But we get stuck because we heard one thing or read one little piece. And that brings me to what I would call the third type of communication. And that is fun. Everybody say fun. fun. Laughing and enjoying one another. I love to laugh and enjoy God. It's my favorite type of communication with him. You say, what? What? Like, you do that? Yeah, friend. Don't you do that with the favorite person in your life? Don't you laugh and tell jokes and pick on each other and mess around and, and laugh? I mean, all the time. All the time. I'll be riding in a car and I'll look over at somebody and I'll go, <laughs> yeah, you messed up on that one, didn't you? Wow, look at that one right there. I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. I repent right now. I mean, I'll have these moments where we just laugh and have fun and, and just talk. And, and, and why? Why not? Why? How is that sacrilegious? Jesus loves you. So prayer doesn't have to just be in secret. It doesn't have to just be deep and private. There's so much more. There's a fun aspect in communication. One of the key things that keeps my and my relationship with my wife strong is that we laugh together. And we, and we sing together. And that's why, I mean, fun. Psalms 9 and 2. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalms 89, verse 15 and 16. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exalt you in righteousness. You'll find me. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just break out and like, dude, you're awesome. Jesus, you're the greatest. I just, I just get excited, and I just, I just remind him as I'm reminding myself how good he's been to me. It's fun and enjoyable. That's prayer. That's what it looks like. That's a communication between me and my God. Come on, get free from this one concept. Here, here's the next type of communication that me and my God has, and, that, and I would call it working communication. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Got to get the job done. Got to get the job done. Hey, God, I'm about to move into this meeting and there's some people in this room that I want to stab. So I'm going to need you in this meeting to help me, God. I really don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like the way they're acting. This business deal can go this way. It could go that way. So I'm going to, would you help me with this? It's almost like a quick text message. I think about how you communicate to people that you, that you do business with, people you love. You, you, they're quick text. You throw it out there. You may not get an immediate response. I'm going into a meeting right now. Why can't? Why do you limit your interaction with God to if you didn't get 30 minutes of prayer or an hour of prayer as you drank your coffee and stared out the back window? Why, why, is that, why is that the only type of communication you can have with your God? This is why you're limited in knowing his will. It's because you have limited how you communicate to him. 
See, the more I communicate with him, the more I begin to understand who he is. And then as the more I understand him, the more I know his will. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. The more I hang out with you, the more I like you, and the more we have conflict, because it's inevitable. So the more I spend time with God, the more I fall in love with him, the more I understand him, and the more I go, I don't understand that. Like, what the what? Like, why would we do that? I know that's what you said here, but you said this over here in Scripture. And walking that out with him in relationship that's committed, surrendering my will, but nonetheless, but what you want. So there's this working communication that I have with God. I'll, 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 like I said, it, look, it's quick. It's, it, I mean, I do that with my wife. Text her, hey, listen, um, who's picking up Adeline from school? All right, what are we doing about that? Hey, what are we doing about this? Okay, great. Boom, 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 boom. It's not deep and intimate. Oh, oh I love you so much. And really, I've been so frustrated to watch, especially some of you younger generation, as you know, you think that spirituality has to do with, you know, some type of, you know, thing. And that's wonderful that you have that, I mean, this crazy cool engagement with the Lord. But you need to go to work, do your job, make an income, get off my couch, you know, go get your own place. And so, and so that engagement with God also has a work communication. God, I need this right now. Are you okay? And is there anything I'm missing here? Show me real quick before I walk into this meeting what you're trying to accomplish with this, with this group of people that I'm working with. And this leads me to what I would call kind of my fifth and last one, and that is public prayer, engagement, communication publicly. That's in front of everyone. Jesus never told us that we couldn't pray in front of each other because he tells us very clearly when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst he tells us when we come together, we should bring a psalm, spiritual gift, prayer. We should engage. And so you'll notice here at Hill City, we bring worship started as we sense worship is really moving and kind of that last type of song. Miss Jamie and I will get up here. We're very strategic in this. And we'll say, listen, if you need a healing in your body, you need whatever we're sensing from God, we want you to throw your hand up and we want those around you to come lay hands on. There are two things that we're after, first and foremost, because we believe that the people on the stage are not more anointed than everyone else. We believe the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in each and every believer. We believe that every believer, according to Mark chapter 16, will have these signs and wonders following them. In my name, you'll cast out devils. You'll heal the sick. If you drink any deadly poison, you'll speak in other tongues. We believe that. If you don't, have, if you don't believe it, I'm sorry, but that's what the scripture says. We believe it. So we want to engage in that capacity. And so we believe in miracles, the supernatural work of God, and we believe that that should transpire with us praying and caring for one another, not some special group that have special training. We believe that the training comes from being obedient to the Lord in your everyday life. And as you're obedient to the Lord, you begin to move in things and do things that you never thought you could do. And so we tie ourselves in in small group life so that we can grow. But we also believe that when we come together in this sanctuary, when we come together on Sundays, when we come together online, when we're in Mansfield, we're in small groups, that we should pray for one another and miracles will happen in that engagement. And we don't believe that a person who made a mistake last month can never pray for anyone because they're now no longer valuable to God. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Someone who was sinful and repented of their sin, that person, come on, because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, can still be used by God because we are his gift to the earth. That's who we are. We're the, we are the righteousness of Christ in the earth. He didn't build temples. He didn't build orphanages. He made disciples and told them to make disciples. And we are, if you will, you know, generation whatever of disciples from 2,000 years ago. And here we are 
light and darkness. And so you and I are called to care for one another and pray for one another. And I know that's embarrassing for some of you. You say, I just don't talk out loud. I know you don't. Unless I'm at your house and you're yelling at all those kids, you talk out loud just fine. And so probably it's just a matter of that fear that we talked about that gets in the way a little bit. And so I would challenge you as your pastor that when we have times of corporate praying for one another, that it's okay, even if you don't know what to say. Just say what you would say to your God about this person. God, they're good. I don't know everything about them, but they've got their hand up and they need help. Would you help them? Boom. Boom. I mean, how many of you want your child to come? How many of you, uh, you some of you only been, been serving God for a couple years. You know, can, can you imagine your two-year-old coming up to you after they woke up in the morning and say, Oh, gracious and heavenly dad, what if thou bestow upon me today the bread of life in that Cheerio box? If I could have it thee to b- depart from thy other needs and concern and put thy attention and affection on you and to your hey you got some food yes let's feed you you say well I've, I've been i've been a christian now 20 years then you should be able to communicate with your god a little bit better than someone who's still in that infant stage or teenage stage or young adult stage you should be just a couple of steps ahead our key verse remember and if you ask anything If our will lines up with his will, then whatever we ask for, it will be done. So if you're saying, I don't understand why my prayers are not getting answered, I would back up and say, Lord, am I not in alignment with your will? Because if my will is in alignment with your will, then your word is true, and nothing that I ask will be withheld from me. Because I'm asking of your own will. So when I pray, my prayers sound a little bit like this, God. Here's what I think you want to do in this. Because your Bible says this. This is why I don't get all into the side and goofiness about, you know, well, well God just needed another angel. That's why he, that's why he took her life. That, that's not true. Because according to what I read in the Holy Scripture, is that he would that none should perish but all have eternal life. He says very clearly, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He says, it is the enemy who came to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when I pray for someone who needs healing, I pray from the position of, Lord, I know it's your will to heal. And so I bring myself into alignment with you. I don't know everything else that's going on. I don't know timing. I don't know if it's their will to be really healed. I don't know. But I know it's your will to heal. And so I surrender myself and come into alignment with that. And I pray your will. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray your desires on earth into this moment right here, what you want done. Lord, I pray into that. Lord, I know that you said to pray for those who despitefully use me and abuse me. So, Lord, that person who's acting this way, Lord, I just call forth your beautiful will. And I say that they are blessed and favored of the Lord. I bring my will into alignment with his will so that his power can flow through me and answer the prayers of the saints. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Quickly stand, quickly. Hey everybody, wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it, consider it, pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. 
Let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we wanna know. We wanna know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.